0: Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Judy Battalion, author of The Light of Days, the untold story of women resistance fighters in Hitler's ghettos. Judy, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Great. Well,
0: what prompted you to research and write about the women resistance fighters in your new book, The Light of Days?
1: That's a great question. sure, this this whole book, I should say, happened by accident. Um, it started in two thousand and seven. I, I can barely believe fourteen years ago, I was living in London at the time, and I was thinking a lot about my uh, my Jewish identity. and I, I myself am the granddaughter of Holocaust survivors. and mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about what I call the emotional legacy of the Holocaust, the way that trauma passes over generations. And, and in my own life, I was interested in really danger. I was thinking about um, how, how my Holocaust heritage was shaping, how I perceived and reacted to danger. And so I decided to write a piece. This was a performance piece. I was doing a lot of performing at the time um, about um, Confronting danger about Jewish women who'd confronted danger, and the first woman to come to mind was someone I, I'd studied back in fifth grade. Her name was Hanna Senish, and I, I'd learned about her. I'd learned that she was she had been a, a Hungarian Jew who'd moved to Palestine in the nineteen thirties, but then returned to um, to Europe during the war. She decided to fight. She became a paratrooper. She joined the Allied forces, and she volunteered to return. To Nazi-occupied Europe. She was, a, in my head, a symbol of Jewish courage. But I wanted to understand more about her. I wanted to understand her personality. Who does that? Who chooses <laughs> to go fight the Nazis? What kind of psychology is behind that? And so I, I, I went to the British Library. I was looking for a kind of nuanced biography of this woman, Hannah Senish. Not just the hero myth, but some, someone who had really studied her. And um, I, I looked her up in the catalog, and I, there were not very many books about her. So I just ordered whatever there was. And when I went to get my books, one of them was very unusual, with an old book, you know, with a fabric cover and gold lettering and, and dusty and, and, and golden pages. And it was in Yiddish. And it was called Foyen in the Ghettos, Women in the Ghettos. Um, but even more unusual than the book is the fact that I speak Yiddish. So I, I started flipping through the book. I was looking for Hanna I I couldn't even find her. She was only in the last few pages. In front of her, there were 150, 160 pages with information by and about dozens and dozens of other young Jewish women who fought the Nazis, mostly from the Polish ghettos. And and the chapter titles were were, were like ammunition, weapons, partisan combat. It, it was I'd never heard anything like this, both in content and in tone. It was so different from any Holocaust narrative I'd ever grown up with, and I I, I I knew this was something I'd have to work on. That's how it all began.
0: That's great. Well, what was your research process once you decided that you wanted to write about? Uh, these, uh, women resistance fighters?
1: Yes, this is another long answer. Um, <laughs> so first what I did is I, 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 um, my Yiddish was rusty at the time. I was living in London. I was working in performance in the art world. I didn't use very much Yiddish. So I knew I needed to sit down with this source material and, and translate it. And I was very fortunate to receive a translation grant and I, I thought it would take a few months. It ended up taking me years to really complete that translation. I think they'd lost, they'd lost hope, the, the grant, but I, I did it. Um, and, and partially it was difficult because it, it was a, a bit of a different Yiddish than I'd grown up with. It was also um, very emotionally heavy material that at that time in my life, I, I wasn't ready to, to deal with in a full-time kind of way. I had to dip in and out of it um and and then also the the book had no it had no context it was a kind of collection of it was almost a scrapbook of of publications from the 1940s that had been put together here and 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 it I had to do a lot of research even just to translate it so that was the first part of the process after that it went through different stages I was going to publish it as a translation maybe as an annotated translation I I started to write a novel about it. And then it was really only about 10 years later um, that I, um, I, actually the women's marches began in 2017. And it suddenly hit me. There There was this interest in um, women, organized women's resistance. And I was, I said, oh my goodness, I have a story about that. And that's when I, with the help of my very, um, Smart agent decided to to turn this into a narrative nonfiction book and really research it. And now, finally, I'm answering your question about the Mm -hmm. research. This is so. Then I spent a number of years where I found all these women in that original book. I found their writings any testimonies, any Mm. memoirs that they had left. I I then read them. Each of their testimonies and memoirs listed 20 other women. (laughs) I then tried to find those memoirs. Then each one list, it really mushroomed. And I basically worked with, um, you know, mostly first person accounts, uh, memoirs and testimonies for as many of these women and some of the men um, as well, who were involved in this organization and, and, and really built a history from there.
0: Well, you write about many stories about female resistance fighters. I'm curious, are there one or two historical anecdotes in the book about specific tactics of these resistant fighters, resistance fighters that stood out for you that maybe surprised you at what they actually did?
1: Well, I write a lot about one type of resistance work that women did, which was called the courier girls. That that's what they called them. Um, they were women who um, and these are young women, their late teens, early twenties, who Jewish women who pretended to be Christian. And they in they so that they could pass on the outside of ghettos. Jews were ghettoized, they were imprisoned in these ghettos, they weren't allowed outside. But these Jewish girls disguised themselves, pretended to be Christian, and, and secretly left the ghettos, slipping in and out of these ghettos, and they connected the ghettos across Poland. They brought information. Jews were not allowed to have radios or newspapers. It was often these young Jewish women who were bringing news, even of the Nazi genocidal plan. They were telling these Jewish communities what was happening in the war in Poland. Um, they then became weapon smugglers and they helped arm the ghetto undergrounds. They would go to uh, meet with arms dealers and strap, buy guns, strap guns to their torsos, hide explosives in their underwear, um, you know, clips of cartridges in their handbags and bring them back into the ghettos. They also did rescue work um, again, disguising themselves as Catholic girls, they would sneak out of the ghetto and, and take some Jews with them and help them find hiding spots, um, either in cities or in, or in the forests.
0: Wow. Why do you think these stories about Jewish female bravery remained untold and un- unknown until now?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, and that's something that became almost like a sub-question of all my research. I, You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator
2: Information, connect with a wealth advisor today at corient.com. That's C O R I E N T.com. Corient.com.
1: You know, on the one hand, what happened? What is the story? And on the other hand, what happened to this story? You know, I found hundreds of names of women who'd been involved in this very, very daring and dramatic work. How could I not have known about this? And so I do have a section in the book where I, where I talk about the historiography of this. Um, and there are many reasons, and, and I, won't, I won't give you the two-hour answer now. Mm-hmm. But some of the reasons are, you know, wh- you know, very little has been written about the Jewish resistance. And what has has been largely written by and about men. Um, some of the reasons are, this: uh, there's a political reasons um, for how the narrative of the Holocaust is shaped. There are also zeitgeist reasons. We've been interested in in the war and in different elements of the war over the past decades. It's shifted over time, Um, but a lot of it is personal. A lot of it is that these women didn't tell their stories. They either tried to tell them and weren't believed, or were accused of collaborating or sweeping their way to safety. Many of them felt a a tremendous. survivor's guilt. They they felt that compared to their fellow survivors who had been through Auschwitz, they they themselves hadn't had it that bad. They they almost survivor's guilt almost makes people feel like they don't merit telling their story. Um, they don't deserve to. Many of them felt that way. Um and, and for many of them, they were very young when the war was over and they needed to start their lot. They were refugees in new countries. Without without anything, and they needed to start fresh. And, and for a number of them, part of that meant putting their story behind them, having new families, having children, um, you know, fitting into their new lives. And, and so they didn't talk about it for many decades.
0: Sure. Who was the female resistance fighter named Renia, and what made her such a compelling and important figure?
1: Rania became the central character, the central figure in my book. Um, and partly it's because she, she was, she had a, um, her testimony was partially, part of it was in that original Yiddish book that I found. And it, the writing, I connected with her writing. She was, she wrote in a very direct and narrative fashion with a lot of detail. And she didn't have political motivations which many many of the the women who or the people writing at the time did she she just told a story even with wit and i i just connected to it it felt very modern to me it felt very relatable um she was uh 15 when the war began she was always defiant she was imprisoned in a ghetto but she would escape to um to try to trade family heirlooms for food to help feed her family. she When she realized she was going to be killed, she escaped from the ghetto. She fled by herself through forests, pretended to be Christian as well, um, was once recognized on a train. She picked up her valise, walked to the back of the train, and jumped right off. Um, she, I mean, she was a really daring, active person, and she ended up getting connected with the underground in this town of the djinn, and she became one of their career girls. Um she she again she looked good, they used to call it she she looked Christian. Um so she pretended to to not be Jewish and would sneak out of the ghetto and and do trips to Warsaw, where she would bring and gather information, uh fake IDs, fake papers helped to arrange uh, rescue plans and hiding spaces, and smuggled weapons.
0: Well, you you mentioned earlier the, the recent women's marches. How are the stories of female resistance and activism in your book relevant for the political and cultural moment we're living in today?
1: I think they're relevant and I hope they're inspiring because these are stories of women who had nothing. I mean, they were literally, their families had been murdered. They were imprisoned in ghettos. They were starving. They were thirsty. They they had nothing and yet they still went out there time and time again and risked their lives for their convictions and in the fight for for freedom and for justice. And they, you know, they knew they were not going to topple the Nazis. They were a few skinny, starving young Jews with two guns, they used to say, we're not going to beat the German army. But that didn't matter. And I think that's what we can take from that, that these small acts, they matter. They matter to the people doing them, to the people around them. And, and even to us, generations later, they they have great meaning.
0: Well, I'm, I'm curious in terms of your research about uh, the overall resistance and as you have focused on specifically the female resistance fighters, was the Jewish resistance, was it organized or were individual resistance fighters kind of operating independently how did that work
1: so there was everything um but in my book i write about organized resistance i write about groups that work together that's why sirenia was a courier girl she was connecting various underground groups and you know they had information for each other and they helped connect with the polish underground even um these groups originally were organized before the war, the ones that I write about. Polish uh, Jewish youth in the 1930s was very much um, structured through youth movements, youth groups, um, almost like the Scouts, but more so. These were intellectual, spiritual, social, emotional training grounds. And um, and, and, and I write about, in particular, the socialist, secular youth movements. And in many of these, not only did they value uh, pride in your history and, and the pursuit of truth and self-awareness and, and understanding one's strengths and weaknesses, they, they also, they were socialists, they, were socialist. they collectivism and collaboration. And many of the um, youth, this is before the war, Left their family homes to move into communes with their youth movements, um, at least for short periods of time. Some of them more permanently. So these these were already movements where people had very strong bonds, where they were used to working together, and where they they were trained and taught to to feel pride and to and already for values of freedom and intellectual. uh uh, liberty and 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 they'd already had this this training and this and the and these connections put in place
0: well you spent so much time researching and writing this book have you started planning or thinking about writing another book
1: (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) all my other answers are 20 minute answers here um I have, that's not true. I I have been working on something else, but it's, um, it's actually much lighter. It's, it's, it's a novel. And, um, I, 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 I need a little break from this, from this intensity and this, you know, such emotional material. Um, then I'm sure I'll come back to it. It it seems to keep finding me.
0: (laughs) Well, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your book, the light of days?
1: Um, my website is www.judybattalion.com, um, and I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Judy Battalion.
0: Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Judy Battalion, author of The Light of Days, The Untold Story of Women, Resistance Fighters, and Hitler's Ghettos. The book is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Judy, thanks for doing this interview.
1: Thank you so much for having me.